Honey, it sounds like she thirsty. I mean thirsty. Okay, all right. So, um, uh, are you a, a thirsty bitch? Or no, or no, or no. Oh, I think we know the answer to that one, don't we? I think we are Thirsty Bitches here. Thirsty Bitch HQ, it's 2020. Hello, Tofa, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm like your preppy look. You've got your, you've got your uh, over the shoulder shoulders. Yeah, yeah what's I'm that keeping, about? I'm getting old, bitch. I have to stay warm. Is this a new New Year's resolution? No, I have no... Oh, actually, my New Year's resolution is to stop... Um, Cock? Oh. God, I can't even say it because I haven't followed it through already, so there's no point. What? No more straight acting men. Oh, bitch, please. <laughs> we, we, we've been like, it's now, te- it's ten past ten on a Friday evening and we've been here. What time do you arrive? About ten to seven? Um, Allegedly, yeah. Yeah, and you've yes. already talked about all these guys you've shagged that are straight acting. No, I haven't spoke about that. We're talking about Madonna. Then this episode of the Thirsty Bitch Podcast, a shame episode, is actually sponsored by the lovely people, and I'd like to say my friends, over at Bathmate as well. It's their world-famous number one penis pump. For real guaranteed way to build a bigger, longer-lasting erections, there's only one choice. It's Bathmate. The world's best penis enhancer, Bathmate uses the power of water to add real size fast. Want to make real improvements for your sex life? Then head over to bathmatedirect.com and get ready to make a change. We guarantee satisfaction within 60 days or your money back. Yeah, there you go, it's Bathmate. Uh, go to uk.bathmatedirect.com. They are beautiful and wonderful sponsors for this episode of Thirsty Bit Shame. All right, then, Tofa, let's crack on. Please rate us. If you're on iTunes, please give us a five star and yeah. give us a rating as well. Spread the word. It's always it, nice to have you. It literally takes four seconds to do that. So it can help bump the podcast up. So do it. I've heard about your four seconds. I was, um... <laughs> <laughs> Click, click five star and I'll give you a blowjob. There you are. That's time for Taylor. Uh, do find him on social media. So, And also as well, if you're listening on Spotify, then please do give us a follow because uh, it's podcasting. So the way it works is that you like us and uh, we give you more content. The best guest to have on Thursday, <laughs> bitch, to start the brand new year yes. is going to be you because uh, th- this topic is shame. Why me? <laughs> I think, I'm how long have I known you now? Why me? Well, I, I don't know. I actually, Why is it I, always me? I come away from talking to you having to have a shower. I, I feel no ashamed. Shame. <laughs> no, you've my problem. <laughs> we have, and uh, just to let you know as well, if you are listening to us, we have got a UK exclusive with the two boys, Jordan and Brad, from the Shame on You podcast. It's actually, I mean, we were there last year, but it is the biggest LGB, uh, it's, well, it's, they call it the, uh, the the fastest growing LGB podcast in the world right now. Amazing, good yeah. for those boys. Yeah, well done. So I've got a, I've, got a, I've mm. got applause. I've got applause. Yeah. Oh, I'm singing the Spice Girls there. What song is he singing? You've got to make it happen. What? It's one What's of their early songs. They didn't really. How sing. early? Listen, I didn't have many friends growing up. Are you like Jerry though? Don't you? Yeah. It tells you a story about Jerry. Hi, Jerry. <laughs> what, what story? Which one? <laughs> you just showed me a picture of some little kid. Oh, okay. That's you, no? So when I was in school, my dad went to, um, allegedly, let me say, allegedly went to Blockbusters and there was apparently a, a cardboard cutout of Jerry Halliwell. Was the, that cardboard? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a cardboard cutout. I thought cutout. that was real. Oh, yeah. I really have my hand around Jerry Halliwell. Mm. Um, my, dad, my dad found a cardboard cutout of Jerry Halliwell and he um, acquired it. Did uh, yeah. He stole it. Is it. He acquired it. Okay. Obviously you... not from South London. No. 
we acquire things. <laughs> That's funny. Before Christmas, I was looking at the people that actually listen to the Thirsty Bitch podcast, and most of our listeners are actually on the West Coast of the United States of America. Oh, hi. Quite nice. Amazing. So for those who don't know who Topher Taylor is, just give them a little bit of a brief rundown about who you are. Um, I am a sex educator from London. Um, I originally got kind of a name for myself working in sex shops, advising people on toys and ways to orgasm. And then I branched out into editorial work. I wrote for a few um, underground sex magazines and then I branched out to then... You know, my name got a little bit bigger. I did a Cosmopolitan, Marie Claire, etc. Just writing about sex tips and how to have orgasms. And um, most of my work comes from an angle of um, LGBT experience given to straight people. Okay. Because obviously as, as men who sleep with men, you know a lot more about cocks than a woman who would be. And you've you seen know, a in, lot of cock. Allegedly. No, you know you know how to work a dick because you have one yourself. Mm-hmm. So it's about taking that advice and giving it to people. But I don't do it in a really vulgar way. Like I can be brushed and stuff. But with me, it's educational. But do you get do you get a lot of men send you a message going, "Thank you very much." I've now or women say, "Now I've tried this on my man, yeah. and yeah. it's been amazing." A lot. I mean, I, thankfully, I get a lot. I'm always more grateful when I get messages from women. Right, okay. Because it's. I mean, it's. You know the way that our society is structured is almost um, sacramental for women to be, you know, sexually aggressive. So when a woman messages me saying, thank you for helping me, like, give a blowjob to my boyfriend and be confident in what I'm doing, that's that's very rewarding. But what would you say then, in order for you to give advice to people, like women, for the boys, what would be the most complaints boys would have from women about blowjobs, like teeth or something like teeth, that? Teeth, um, suction, moisture... I think it's the idea of what a blowjob really is, and that is replicating um, penetration, mm. which, you know, a blowjob isn't just put your lips around a dick, move it up and down. You're, you know, you're replicating a vagina or a butthole. So it's okay. using your mouth, lips, gag reflex, suction, air, whatever yeah. else you've got going on. I don't, I don't know. Yeah, you tell me you're the sex like a, a penis is designed to be, a penis is designed to be brought to orgasm mm. by pleasure, suction you know tension moisture putting on it sucking on it moving it up and down left and right so it's about this has suddenly become very erotic yeah whenever it's it's, it's turning your mouth into a vehicle isn't it because if you're going to deliver pleasure to someone if you're someone like me then you want to know how you're doing it properly so where where would people get that advice from so are you just talking to women through yeah but would they come through like cosplay Cosmopolitan magazine where they come through you've got a day job haven't you send me a message so what what is your social media then um Topher Taylor (laughs) I forgot my own name (laughs) that's the three bars of Prosecco later no um Topher is T-O-P-H-E-R-T-A-Y-L-O-R I've got my own website which is topher-taylor.co.uk again T-O-P-H-E-R-T-A-Y-L-O-R.co.uk and I've got a section send me a message like I will get back to you I've, I don't think I've ever ignored an, a okay. message other than if it's just someone trying to fuck me which uh, before we came on air I think you got two missed calls mm. to be fair about that one she's in demand <laughs> she is so we need to get on with this because testament she, she needs my, a bit of D testament to my knowledge <laughs> <laughs> so can I just say as well, we've just seen anyone that's listening outside of the UK, outside of London, that doesn't know Topher, you've actually been, I think Boys, I think it was Boys Magazine, was it Boys or QX that said you are the one to watch this year? Uh, Boys. Boys Magazine. And you know why that, that that means a lot to me? I mean, sorry to jump in, but 
these people who run magazines like boys these are queens who are on the scene mm-hmm. like they've seen queens come they've seen queens go and we know what gay people are like yeah we aren't the most like we are very mm, you prove yourself before i start clapping you and yeah. to get to get that nod of acknowledgement from from boys was incredible that that literally sidelined me last year i got a random message from the um the editor at the time saying hi just let you know we're doing this photo shoot and we want you in it and i'm like oh i'm not really a model i don't like modeling no i hate it yeah and he's like no no it's for this and i was like oh yeah it's great f-u-c-k i was yeah. like oh geez like that's uh that's so i mean just i know what the gay scene's like and to be acknowledged by the underground of the gay scene to me is huge yeah. huge that's all i ever really wanted to be honest with you because i think that you know, I used to party on the gay scene, the 16, 17, 18, 19, feeling nice. so like, oh, I'm not welcome here. Yeah. And then, you know, like 12 years later. So so why, why would that be then? Because uh, again, for people who don't know you, why would you say you're not welcome? Because we've, I mean, London is a very inclusive place, mm-hmm. uh, more than a lot of other places. So why, why would you feel like that way? Well, I mean, the gay scene can be very exclusive. I mean, to, to say otherwise would be naive. Yeah. We are, you know, we're segregated naturally because of the fact we are gay within a heterosexual yeah. society. It, like, in terms of numbers, we are. And then we break ourselves up, you know, we break it into twink, we break it into drag, we break it into trans, we break it into bear, yeah. we break it into carb. And I think that sometimes it's just nice to be acknowledged, you know, by a magazine that covers everything. Yeah. You know, you're someone who's made a little bit of an impact. And to me, that was huge. No, but I, I, I honestly, this is one of my thoughts is that when I was at university and stuff, people always fought to be included, whether it's to get rid of. I mean, Section 28 wasn't there when I was at university. Oh, maybe it was. But, you know, um, either to be included to, you know, theoretically get rid of the gay bars because we didn't need them. All these kind of things, dropping all the labels and just being one mm. of everyone else. But I think that mm. the more we've been accepted... I like gay bars. No, gay bars great. I love gay bars. But the more we've been accepted, it seems that we've not got a common goal, so we've turned on each other. Yeah, but that's that's society, isn't it? I think that's human nature. That's yeah. the nature of the beast of humanity. We, you know, as soon as we do well ourselves, we turn on those who we don't think are as great as us or aren't as knowledgeable or as successful. But I think within the gay scene, we are, um, we can be very toxic towards one another. Yeah. It's we can, sad, really, considering we're a minority and we've been through hmm, stuff. But that's the nature of the beast. And I think that as, as aware people and in this age where we are constantly talking about identity and mm. representation, that, we owe it to one another to acknowledge where we are paying into something which is going to fuck up our brother or our sister or whoever. Yeah. You know, you you hear these horror tales of young people who feel so ostracized from the scenes that they go home and harm themselves and even worse. And I think that we, whether we want to accept that or not, and I'm not saying that we're all responsible for someone's behavior when they go home, when they're feeling depressed or whatever, but I think that, as LGBT plus people, we we have to remove the pretense from our venues. Yeah, we have to because who's going to look after us? But what, what, why 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 would you think? I mean, we are going to get onto the fact that um, this podcast is about shame. But how, why do you think that we've gone from a collective a common goal to be inclusive to all of a sudden going? Well, actually, we well, need to all be different. It's funny you say because I think it's shame. Shame. Yeah, yeah. But I think it all pays into this idea of what straight people expect of us. 
Yeah. What's I mean, it's like you can be gay, you can love men only if you are a fabulous drag queen, you know, like yeah. a Lily Savage or a yeah. Kenny Everett, or you know, like a Ru- a RuPaul's girl, or you can or you can be a hyper masculine guy mm. who's not like those feminine gays. Oh, and I think that both of those types of people are amazing. Fuck yeah, like enjoy yourself, but we have a tendency to use those well, not us, then me personally, mm. I'm somewhere in the middle of both, but that we use clubs and venues and, and club nights and photo shoots to streamline it. Yeah. This is for twinks. This is for femboys. This is for, you know, curious cross-dressers. This is for T-girls. This is for trans girls. This is for transvestites. This is for otters. This is, I'm like, oh, for fuck's sake. And you and everybody. It seems I just to be want, you, you know what? I just want to go out sometimes, put a fucking four litres of smell of ice in my body <laughs> and listen to Jerry Halliwell <laughs> bag it up. Four litres. <laughs> and if anyone wants to contest that, then I'll, I'll fight you to the death. But I think I think you're right. I think it does all come down to shame because uh, it does because it's about we are whether we are. And I'm sorry, I don't care what anyone wants to argue with me. I've, I'm old enough and ugly enough, and I have enough experience now to know. No, you're not ugly. It all you're oh, older. If the price is right, when I take the BB <laughs> cream on, thank you though. But um, this idea of what's expected from us and how to appease people and how to appease licenses, especially in central mm. London venues. Yeah. You know, the licensers, who, by the way, if you listen to this, you are fascists. And I will say this to your face. Um, and I have yeah. during Pride 2017 and got in a lot of trouble for doing it. Mm. Um, we are, we're paying into something which ultimately is going to be detrimental to us in the long run because we are a community. And I think that one of the most exciting things about the LGBT plus community is that we collectively came together and we kind of formed this bond and we're in it together. Yeah. You know, like when I'm hearing about attacks against trans people, trans women, trans men, trans whoever, and I'm like, that's my sister. That's my, bro-. and I, I do instinctively feel that I have mm. that instinctive protective bond. Like don't, you know, when someone tells you who they are, listen, don't create a club night to ostracize yourself from them. Yeah. Why not just have a fucking glass of beer with them? Well, well, I, I mean, well, I can, don't if you don't drink. I can tell you that <laughs> you're twice anyway and all. I can actually tell you from first hand is that we approached uh, me and a, a business partner approached a very central sort of gay bar to do a uh, a gender fuck night, like completely break down the barriers. Anyone's mm-hmm. welcome, no mm-hmm. attitude, and basically they went, well, we don't want to kind of lose. It's a gay bar. We don't want to kind of lose the straight girls the boys bunch of that, yeah that is there they're too scared to put the foot down and say look we'll accept everybody from well the i did side. it with clone zone yeah, yeah it's, and I that's the business we, like, cl- clone zone's kind of expected that you're going to push a boundary well i mean i mean when i joined the company it was hyper masculine it was oh, a, yeah, it was okay, aimed yeah. at boys who want to feel sexy in underwear and i kind of came in obviously not immediately but over the years i'm like no no everyone has to feel welcome here yeah and i mean i'm it's not as simple as that obviously it's not like you can oh we have every size we have every you know we have a bus size we have a waist no it's not that simple but i definitely over the years have said and i've enforced that you are welcome here 
But 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 how again with that? Whether you're transgendered or whether you're just like a just a not an Adonis. I mean, how does someone like Clonezo go? Right. Well, we know that you haven't got the six pack in the but V. Adonis. I mean, I'm sorry, and I'm going to say this on record, and I'm not saying this is Clonezo, and I'm saying this is Topher. Yeah. Adonis is boring. It is boring now. It's but been it's done. About- but it's still being done. It's, it's dated. Still but it's dated, and the people that are pushing it now, what they're not realizing is what they're doing. That what they are pushing out there is what people will look back on in ten years. Yeah, I think, oh, that was so boring, and it is. But I'm hoping so. People want to see themselves represented. And it doesn't mean you necessarily have to be trans to identify with a person or a brand. Hmm. But what it's saying is, identify with the brand because the brand is saying. Yeah, I'm with these people, and so am I. Like, whether it be a t-shirt, whether it be a fucking lubricant. But the, the, problem, the problem is that you still get the bars and the clothes and maybe some kind yeah. of the shops that will market a product based on that. It's yeah. a smooth, Adonis-type guy. Absolutely. Which, again, leads back around the shame. I mean, it, part of the shame is the fact that I don't, I am not that kind of person. I don't look good. I feel inco- not confident about the yeah. way I look. And all this leads to a shame for gay men. It does. Um, it definitely doesn't. I mean, I've, I'm not blind to the feedback that Clone Zone has and has had. Yeah. You know, it's been mad so over the years. Like, you're just pushing the stereotype. I'm like, wait, look at the person. Look at me. Like, yeah. I am an effeminate guy. Like, I like, you know, I, sometimes I'm slim, sometimes I'm chubby, sometimes I drop. I'm just a normal person. I, I like to effeminate. To be honest with you, I prefer to feminize myself than masculinize myself if we're looking yeah. at stereotypes. But I think that when you're looking at the bars, the bars are a lot of the time owned by, you know, companies, mm-hmm. you know, they've got very, they've got to make the money. Yeah. Then they've got the brewers making sure they're making their cash. Um, they've got the club promoters who a lot of the time are very numb to what's actually out there. Yeah, I've fallen out of, I mean, if you, if you had conversations with managers in Soho, I'm sure you'd find a nice handful of people who hate me. Because I won't, because I, no, I won't, I won't work with them, and I've fallen out with them because of yeah. their attitudes towards people of, you know, who are effeminate, who are whoever. Yeah. So I don't know. I think it's. I mean, look at the XXL's gone down. That was it, it, ultimate demise with the fact that it was homophobic against most of the gay scene. Yeah, I mean, I'll wear some fucking six-inch heels and look better than all those bears, bitch. <laughs> no, but, no, the thing is that when I first went to... And that, take home the most masculine man in the club. Oh, we know about How your, about that? We know about your... Uh, and the bouncer. <laughs> and the barman. <laughs> <laughs> right, well, we are, we are getting a little bit into the shame thing, but um, I just want to talk a bit, bit, bit more about you, is the fact that you're, you are the man to watch this year. And you're actually developing into podcasting yourself, Pressure. aren't you? That you've got a podcast that's about to launch, I think, on Valentine's Day yes. this year. Yes. Tell us a bit more about that. Well, it's called Sex with Topher. Classic. Which is a very rare <laughs> occurrence. Um, no, when was the last time you had sex? Um, Sunday. So it's nearly a week ago. No, I thought you said like about three days ago. No, it's Sunday. Yeah, when's the next time you're having sex? Tomorrow. It would be tonight, but we've got. So to it's not it. a rare occurrence because even at the best will, that's two a week. No, so I'm, that's like that's a hundred and. I'm taking the piss out myself. So yeah, it's just a podcast we do. Which, so I've had so many conversations with people over the years about sexuality, and mm. you know, so many people say to me after talking to me, they feel good, they feel more comfy, relaxed. I'm like, cool. Well, then this is the perfect format. So hear me talk, just talk to me. Submit your questions. Come on the show. Yeah. Ask me things, you know, suggest things, you know, contest things of me. Tell me where you think I'm going wrong. 
you know, if you think yeah. I have a list platform, whatever it is, yeah. tell me how you think I can manicure it. Yeah. Tell me how I can give you advice because I can't, I'm not psychic. Yeah. I'm not sat here going, so, I'm not like some marketing. Sorry, oh, I punched the microphone again. I always do that when I'm, like, that, yeah. um, I'm not like a marketing psychopath. And I sit yeah. here going, oh, how can I manipulate this show to appeal to everyone? That's not the way yeah. it is. I'm just talking from my own perspective. So if you listen to me yeah. and you think, wait, I don't really feel like you've tapped into me, okay. tell me. Yeah. So this is Sex with Topher. It's going to be on uh, iTunes, Apple Podcasts. It's going to be on Spotify and Everything. all the major streaming services. For free. For free. Launching on the 14th of February. Have you got your first guest lined up? I do. Let's see if you can guess who it is. Think of someone who absolutely... Absolutely. Absolutely munches down on a cock and reduces it to smithereens. Other than What? Me. So she just... Well, this person destroys cock. Mm-hmm. Okay, so Munchie down on cock. So destroys cock. she's a cock destroyer. So she's a cock destroyer. Who could that be? I don't know. <laughs> we'll have to wait and see, won't we? <laughs> right, so you've got... <laughs> I think you've got the clue there. It is going to be one of the cock destroyers, I believe, on yeah, your, yeah. your And like, you know six. what? It's someone I absolutely respect. And I'm not yeah. saying it from a PR point. I'm saying it from a human, from yeah. a sex education, an unapologetic, strong sexual woman. An apologetic sex Madonna. That. Right, you've got a, a song like it is a uh, the thirsty bitch is all about uh, well being thirsty and also we do like a bit of music because my background's in DJing as well. So I always ask all our guests, what is your music that you listen to at the moment? I, at the minute, I'm loving like R and B and dance, but the minute is Doja the Cat. And okay. say so. Nice. So there we go. It's uh, <laughs> Tofers on our Shane podcast. This is and Doja Cats. She's so Cat. cute. She's so cute. She is. Look at her on YouTube. It's Doja <laughs> Cats and uh, say so. Uh, Doja Cat and Say So. Very nice. Thank you very yes. much, Tofa. Why do you like that song? 
Google her. She's so pretty. No, I just like her. I like her attitude. She's someone I've been watching on social media for a long time and I'm watching her career now explode. And I really fancy her in a weird way. Hey, you fancy her? What's, what's this about you? Okay, well, how did you find yourself? I know, I'm, literally, during this song, guys, anyone that's listening, I've just been <laughs> saying to Topher that I was at university many moons ago and all I did was like petition night and day to drop labels. And I'm mm. about to ask Topher, what do you define yourself as? Old slapper. Are you, have you seen Titanic? Where's that woman at the end of the bow with the pearls? Yeah. Madame Bijou, was it? Yeah. Are, are you her? No, my pearls don't, are not in solid form. But you've had a pearl necklace recently. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, shame, coming up shame. in about 10 minutes or so, we have got a very UK, ex- very UK exclusive. It's weird you have me on the shame podcast, considering I have no shame. You have no shame, <laughs> but yeah, I guess it is. I but like I think, I think the no shame develops from the fact that you had shame. Okay, yeah. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah. Psychoanalysis. So, <laughs> in about 10 or 15 minutes' time, we have got a UK exclusive. They've been on the news all over Canada and the United States. Uh, they're the fastest growing LGB podcast globally. Uh, they started with 2,000 listeners. They've now got over a half a million listeners uh, a week. Amazing. I know that because we did that last year, didn't we, Tofa? Congratulations. Yeah. No, that's amazing. Well it's going to be Jordan Seriously. and Brad from the Shame on You podcast. They're coming up very shortly. So, yeah, we're talking about shame and, and uh, basically the gay people and uh, I was reading recently just doing a bit of research on you know what what is shame because I know I feel it definitely yeah. but it's, it's one of these things that it's very hard to pinpoint why someone has shame and there's a group of 100 gay men that was given a questionnaire about basically about uh, just basically shame and it said that they have got an internal homophobic link uh, based on the fact they're very shameful and yeah. that shameful might be the fact that they've grown up uh, being told that heterosexuality is normal, they don't want to be gay themselves. I mean, there's a huge list of things why they think there's an increased fear and withdrawal from friends and relatives, feeling you're never good enough, amplifies and alter egos, change your sexual orientation, denial of your sexual orientations and others. This is all to do with shaming gay men and it's prevalent everywhere. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't just put it all down to internalized homophobia. I mean, I think misogyny plays into it. Mm. I think this idea of being feminine is seen as to be less, lesser or less than, or to be, um, I don't know, uh, submissive. Yeah. Whereas you can be very effeminate and still be very much in control. But I mean, being, being effeminate though, is not necessarily the fact that you've, you've had any kind of shame, but there's been, there's been some external no, aspect no, of that that's but, told you that it's not right. I think that the idea of being seen as feminine by lots of, especially men who've grown up gay, Mm. We've grown, especially growing up gay in like places where I grew up to be seen as effeminate is yeah. seen as um you're less than them you are not a man you are you're a novelty you know you're you want to be a woman and then I think that the internalized homophobia thing is is edging on that yeah but I think the misogyny plays a lot into it I think there's a massive amount of misogyny within the gay community as well I mean I've, I moved to London 13 years ago I'm from the north so mm. the way London people uh, behave gay people behave amongst each other i found uh, quite, it's extraordinarily different to the north because people it's all about the image and the way people look and what's the difference between like us and the north well i went back home over christmas i say and I went, us as a south london i know right I know. <laughs> get out no i mean i went home over christmas and new year and i went to leeds on the weekend and i went to a big club and i was actually surprised how many how many men weren't gym toned mm-hmm. how many men kept the clothes on there were no men had the top off 
and the lack of attitude in the fact that anyone would talk to you. Yeah. So it's one of these things that you think, well, actually, this is quite a nice chilled environment. When I first moved down to London, I remember speaking to a guy from Yorkshire came down there and he turned from a nice slim person into this uh, big, big muscular guy. And I said to him, my gosh, why? You know, you look great. What's going on? And he said to me, he says, I have to look like this to hang around the people I hang around. And I said, I think you've got the wrong circle of friends. Well, um, listen, I don't know. I think that that's very sad. And I think it's a choice. And I think that at some point in your life, in your adolescence, wherever you are, whether you're 23, whether you're 33, whether you're 13, 14, you you choose your tribe. Hmm. And if you are trying to please people that you have to literally spend hours in the gym, change your diet, change your hair wax routine, tan, etc., to appease them, that's not someone who loves you. No. Your friends should, at the end of the day, ultimately accept you for who you are. Whether you turn up with fucking yeah. blisters on your face, whether you've got a rash, whether you're why, tan. Why would you have a blister on your face? Well, it's London. You never know what's going to happen. Have you been on the Northern Line recently? <laughs> <laughs> No, but I think that's that's really sad. No, I mean, I, I totally empathize with him and I, yeah. I know how men fall into that pattern and I've seen yeah. it through Clone Zone, especially not through my own personal life because I've always been quite separate from that superficial side of the gay scene because yeah. I don't have the tolerance for it. Yeah, but I, you've been you've been a lot because anyone that's not seen you because it's, it's an audio podcast, obviously, you clash yourself as quite feminine, don't you? Well, I just don't, I don't give a fuck. No. Like, I, if I see something I want to wear, I wear it. Yeah, I don't care if it gets me 150 likes on Instagram. I don't care if it makes me mask. I don't care if someone thinks I'm, you know, masculine enough to take home to the family or mm. if I'm a threat to their social. Like, I think it's insane that people are working out simply to be accepted in clubs. Yeah, but you, I mean, you know, do the you do. work I mean, out for your own energy, for your, where you look in the mirror, you look at yourself and think, "I'm great." Yeah, but you, you've seen them people that are going, "Oh, it's it's this party on a Saturday night, so I'm going to go to the gym and buff myself up to go out and look pretty for people." Well, great. Well, you, you're going to wake up on Sunday feeling unfulfilled. I uh, yeah, I know. I mean, I know that I've had to find I, one person who's woke up after a weekend at those clubs and feels absolutely content and fabulous about themselves. I think that. You cannot live in a superficial bubble. Yeah. You have to find like content to your character to, to like carry you through. I don't and that's I'm not yeah. trying to be Oprah here. I'm not I'm not like Gandhi. But we've yeah. got the same colour hair. <laughs> but I think that there's much more to life than that. And I think that great that and I think anyone who works hard enough to give himself an eight pack, that's incredible. Yeah. And it is commendable. And I have I've I've loads of models that I work with and I have friends mm. I know how hard they work, but I think that's not the be all and end all. No. You've got to have content to a character. You've got to be able to like look yourself in the mirror at the end of the day saying, cool, I am mm. myself. You know, I follow myself through today and, and how sad to think that I have to look that way because of that's the way London is. Cause that's yeah. not, that's not the way London is. That's the way that a very small bubble of London that you decide to inject yourself into is. But then it's, it's not just all about London. I know that when I grew up, I mean, I'm, I I came from the era of Section 28 and Margaret Thatcher. And I know when I found out about the sexuality, even my first dabbling with another man who I didn't actually know whether he was gay or not, but we had the first, you know, when you're like... I, I mean, know I, that I, feeling. <laughs> <laughs> mine was in like, was on a school trip to the uh, swimming baths at the local leisure centre. And we shared a cubicle together and he wanked and I wanked. 
And it was like, after I'd done my bit, I felt the, sh- the shame that came over me. Yeah. And I thought, uh, and at the time it was awful and it happened every single time I felt this immense shame. I thought, would a heterosexual person feel that shame? No. Or is no. it because of when I got brought up, we were told we are not normal. We, yeah, we are. We're trained to be that way. Yeah. And I think that I, d- I don't believe no matter what any heterosexual person's argument is. Yeah. I'm not saying you haven't felt shame. I'm sure they yeah. have because of religion or no, of family ties. Yeah. But it's not the same as us. Mm. We are raised as LGBT plus people to feel that we are wrong. We're going against the grain that we are a, you know, we're going against religion. We're going against yeah. genetics. We're going. We're going against ourselves because to be fair, there's a lot of people that suffer from whether you call it internal phobia, uh, um, homophobia, or whether it's just a shame. But, you know, it goes against everything pride's about. Pride's about being yourself. But it's very hard, even when I've DJed at Pride's or been to Pride's, I've still got this element of shame of you walking down the street in the Pride parade and you're not comfortable because you've got heterosexual people looking yeah. at you. I, I, to be honest with you, like you said, like I've obviously I've done the parade for Clones and I fronted mm. it. Like I've literally fronted the parade before and I have felt that crippling feeling in my chest. But why? Because it's a reminder of what you were doing. Mm. And what you're representing, that you are standing there as a representative of people in this country. And God bless them. Like, and I'm not talking about religion here. I'm talking like, if you're arrested, like those, those poor kids, I'm not saying kids. I'm saying like, yeah. you could be 24, you could be 12, you could be 46, you could be 68. Sat in your bedroom, fucking crushed by the fact you cannot be yourself in the public. And it's that, that feeling of both i'm trying to represent myself i'm trying to make the most of this but also i am i am representing all these people who are lost yeah and who are absolutely crushed and i think i think to me that that's where i get emotional especially with the customer service side of like sorry to jump out but i'll come back in yeah the clone zone side of things like i remember when i first took over the phones it's my first time talking with lgbt plus people of like different ages yeah. And talking to these older gentlemen who have got into their 80s. Like there was a guy who was in his 80s and hadn't come out of the yeah. closet. And hearing him just asking me what it's like to go into a gay club. Mm. And think like how sad that we have reached like this human being. Like you can look at it however you want. This is a human being with thoughts and feelings. Mm. With emotions, with ambitions. Who wants to meet the love of his life. Who has not been rewarded that because of yeah. social situations, because he felt he wasn't worthy because he liked men. And yeah. that's wrong. It is it is wrong. And it goes to it goes to the extremes that if we look at somewhere like, you know, um Omar Martina was in the, the, the Florida shootings in two thousand sixteen. He um he killed all those people in that deadly homophobic attack at Pulse Nightclub in Orlando. But it was allegedly had uh, sex, uh, sex with men, and his 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 ex wife believes he was actually gay. So to feel that kind of shame to be able to go and do something like that, yeah, and we've still got a, a quite a big issue here. That that I mean, to me, that's a um, sore subject. I know lots of men mm. who are in the closet. I have lots. I've over the years, like I'm thirty, I've had intimate relationships with men who are in the closet. Yeah, I'm kind of known for that in a way. That seems to be my subject of choice, yeah. but I think because of my personality, I'm quite warm and open that people, you know, they gravitate towards me so I can 
when I when I heard about the whole shootings, obviously I was sick and I literally vomited. I remember being sick at work because yeah. I couldn't believe what I was reading and the amount of, the death toll was getting worse and worse and we were getting more and more clarity in it. You know, it was a massive, dense Latin community, which is such a shame. You know, one of the most beautiful communities in the yeah. world. Like, if not one of, like, the most, like, the most welcoming yeah. and gorgeous, like, from my personal experience anyway. When I found out this man was, like, a closet homosexual, it really fucked yeah. me up because I have so much experience with men like that on, yeah. on paper. I'm yeah. not saying men who carry guns into nightclubs and abuse innocent people and end their lives cruelly. So, so from your experience then, the people that you're, because you do quite like your very masculine type, what, what, well, how do you like describe me. it? They like me. I mean, I don't know. Like, I don't approach people. You know that. Yeah. You know that as you, you know me. I don't, yeah. I don't ever approach anyone. It's just not my style. It's never been my style. But these, I mean, obviously these, there's a difference between the guy that did the Orlando shootings and, and the guys that you oh, meet. But how did they treat you as in said that I'm a closet person. I like you. I will have an intimate relationship with you. Then how did they treat you? Well, this is the thing. This is, I mean, I'm not comparing, obviously, on any level. But what I'm saying is what that highlighted to me was that trigger of, wait, I need to be looking after myself here because this is obviously a very damaged human being who didn't like the fact he was attracted to men. Yeah. And rather than dealing with it in an adult way, in a kind way, he decided to be brutal and a terrorist. Yeah, yeah, and he ended the lives of a massive amount of people. For what? It is yeah. abs. It is one of the most disgusting things I've ever had the misfortune of knowing about. And it, you know, I, the pulse thing is always in the back of my head. Yeah, and like what sometimes when I'm talking to these men, like the men that I know, and like I, I think that with the ones I'm close with, which is quite a few, because I get quite close to people that I know sexually. And like these conversations come up and I don't talk about the pulse thing because obviously yeah, I, don't yeah. think I don't think that's appropriate. I'm not going to use that for my own, you know, for a sassy entry into a convo. <laughs> yeah, it highlights a, a level of defensiveness. Like how well do I know you and how do I know you're not going to snap? Yeah. And I think that's what internalized homophobia does because you're trained to be a certain way. Yeah, I mean, you do. I mean, if you if you take a... I mean, just looking from from doing our research about internal homophobia, there's 25 basic uh, reasons why that we have that based on the shame we're given as as gay men growing up. Uh, but you, I do get again. This is this is coming from someone who uh, I'm an out gay man, and although I think our shame is quite different, it's like so I grew up blending in with everybody i think i said to you earlier that like myself and obviously um in season one amika who's a thirsty bitch host i mean both of you i mean amika dresses up it's very you know it's got the makeup he's got the hair he's got the dress you are who you are but yeah. you've never Amico blended in head to toe unapologetic femme it's amazing culture shock trash slut perfect gorgeous bitch and but that takes a lot of willpower and Absolutely. courage and and mental health support to be able to live yeah. the life who I you mean, want to believe. And it's multi-layered. It's not just worried about straight people starting on you. It's worried. Yeah. The worst shit I've ever had, and I'm sure Amico with Sanex, you would tell you the fucking gays are the worst. The gays are t- terrible. I've had the most vicious shit said to me in my life. What 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 would you say were the worst one or two that's um, been said I by the gay community? But I remember once walking into Circus uh, Soho Review Bar when I was about 17. Okay. And I'd bought my first pair of fire high boots. And I was absolutely terrified of wearing them. So I was already hyper-conscious. Mm. And I remember this boy just grabbed me by the face and was like, you're not as beautiful as you think you are. You're just some wannabe tranny bitch. Wow. And I remember thinking, you absolute cunt. 
but you do get that. I mean, when you look at like apps like, especially Grinder, no, you do absolutely. But you I, get I, a lot I'm of just not some. I'm not one to blame everyone because some no. one prick had a bad night and wanted to take it out of me when I was 17. And how do you cope with things like that? Went upstairs and got fucked in the ass. No, I'm joking. I didn't really. <laughs> no, you no, you did. No, I didn't. No, I, did. no, I was underage. No, I didn't. I didn't have sex back then. Shame no, on I, you. I was. I was a, a suggester. He's lucky he said it to me mm. and not to someone who'd go home and harm themselves because of it. Yeah, I think that's which a problem. Which they would, in which they do. And you, and you never know what And which kind they of, will continue to do. And they will. And the, the, there is uh, research to show that it's not just uh, the adults in the LGBT community that are having a problem. Uh, the problem that we have as well is there's a lot of kids nowadays that are requesting that help of shame. But because we don't see kids as adults, they don't get that treatment that they require at such a young age as well. But the, you know what? This all comes down to this this um, restriction on LGBT education in kids. Yeah, and then and then that comes down to the fact that we are reduced to, to be sexual beings. Yeah, it's correct. We're yeah. not humans. Yeah, you know when we want to teach kids about LGBT plus education, we are whether they want to say it or not, they dance around the subject. They're alluding that we're pedophiles. Yeah, they're alluding that we're trying to sexualize children. It's like yeah. no, no. no. No, 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 like I, listen, I like a man. I don't want a kid. Yeah. But what I would like is a child who perhaps has an interest in someone of their own gender or whatever gender mm. to know that they're not a freak. They don't have to go to their bathroom and cut their wrists up yeah. because they feel so lost, damaged, and ostracized because of a natural urge within their body. They're not psychologically, like, I don't know, what's the, what's the um, indoctrinated mm-hmm. That we are trying to go out there and molest children. Which no, I just think that when I was a kid, I learned about Adam and Eve. Yeah, not Adam and Steve. Mm-hmm. Adam and Steve sound like a really boring couple, by the way. But, but, yeah, um, right. But I think that it's I I hate this idea that we are we are compared to paedophilia for yeah. simply insisting that children of all genders and all races and whoever yeah. are aware of. LGBT people and that's to build them to be smart people if you want your kid to grow up to be a worldly person the person who is successful they need to know about the world all this is all about and sorry to go back to the LGBT education thing but it's true like yeah it's just it we're not sat there saying oh hello Mandy (laughs) this is a video of Mardi Gras You know, this is porn star Jeff Weiler getting fisted. No, it's saying, <laughs> no, it's saying this is a human being yeah. who happens to be male, who happens to be attracted to this other be- human being who happens to also be male. Let's say it's mm. two cis males. That's so, it. Okay, just to, just to explain it's about to the people, because our, a lot of our viewers are not in the UK. So cis male. That was my name on teen chat. <laughs> teen, teen <laughs> chat. No, teen chat means you're born with the genitalia that you are <laughs> existing with. That's good. Uh, so it has got that time. Thank you very much. But uh, we are going to come back to you. Uh, but it's that time of the podcast. We need to go to our celebrity guests. Uh, it Me. is. <laughs> you are a celebrity. You're always going to be our celebrity. Uh, you know that. Uh, but we have got a UK exclusive. It is the Thirsty Bitch, the first 2020 Thirsty Bitch of the year. And we've got a UK exclusive with Jordan and 
Brad. There is a little bit of a technical issue with the interview, the fact we couldn't really hear Brad too much on that one. Uh, and also as well, if you hear the clip-clopping of little tiny feet, that's my little doggy walking around. Uh, they are the fastest growing LGBT podcast globally at the moment. They are now uh, got over half a million listeners globally every single week. Uh, we're going to go to them now and then we'll be back with Topher Taylor, our guest host, straight after this. With no shame. <laughs> you guys we're okay it's a it's a giant snowstorm here Don't so <laughs> it's been it's been like blue skies and sun here now in the uk no you just had to brag didn't you <laughs> it's not it's not often we can brag about things like that so it's got better weather and a lot of foreskin <laughs> okay is that not a preference then um depends what's under it honestly well, I'm, I'm, i think most british well i'd like to think most british people are clean but there are some that are a bit dodgy you're not talking about the teeth right we're talking- oh, <laughs> that's a fucking myth. <laughs> How many Brits do you know besides the ones you've had on your podcast? So, okay. So you well, actually, I have a funny story for you, and this will be an exclusive for your podcast. Oh, amazing. Um, a couple of years ago, I went to London solo, and I met a guy in a bar mm. there, and we had like a three-day little romantic fling. And then um, we tried to keep in touch like over the months back and forth, and we were going to hang out. And then one day he got really drunk on on FaceTime and told me that he loved me. Oh. And I thought that's too much for me. So I did the crappy, awful, horrible, psychologically traumatizing thing and ghosted him. You fucking ghost. <laughs> I did. I was honestly terrible. And it, it, but then. You were like, you were talking almost every day. Yeah, I was like crazy about him. Yeah, um. he's a great guy. And, anyways, he's, um, uh, I'm not going to say his name because, but. But he, I saw him on CNN like six months after I ghosted him, right. um, talking about something. Anyways, we want to get him on our podcast so that is is. <laughs> but is this a thing that you do quite a lot? Because I know that you've you mentioned about the ghosting on the podcast uh, on your share on your podcast as well. But is that what you do when they when it gets a bit too intense? No, I well, I was in my defense. I, okay, I was going to say I was like twenty five. I was actually like thirty. So. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's no excuse for shit like that. <laughs> Oh, no, it was no, no, it was really honest. So I want to have him on the podcast uh, to apologize to him. Nice. Do you know how to get in touch with him? Have you unblocked his have you unblocked his number? No, I guess that would be the basic requirement, wouldn't it? (laughs) Try that first. See what he does. He's like very well known. Like if if I gave you his first name, you'd figure it out. Yeah, go on. It's his name's his name's Ryan. Okay. People are gonna figure it out for sure. Yeah, I'll probably figure it out. Anyway, can, can I just say right? Just uh, it's nice actually to hear um, uh, Brad in the background because like when I've been trying to dig some information about you, Brad is you're not really forward, are you, Brad? You, are you quite introvert? I'm a yeah. I would say I'm more of an introvert for sure. A little more reserved than Jordan is. Yeah. Well, pff, Jesus, I listen to your podcast. I can I can see that. <laughs> <laughs> the wallflower. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, Jordan, you're, you're certainly, yeah, uh, you're certainly quite out there. <laughs> <laughs> what is, is is that like a synonym for mentally unstable? So just just going back to to your, so we all know that you're best friends and that, but what, whereabouts or how did you you both end up meeting each other? Um, well, it is in my book actually. Oh, okay. is, is this a new one I, that's I too much, apparently. Yeah, okay? Um, it was what ten years ago, and <laughs> I met Jordan's ex boyfriend Paulo friend of mine who I knew from my hometown um, and Paulo had this habit of having like a flavor of the week he would find a new person that he enjoyed like hanging out with and would bring him around yeah. to his friend group and everyone was I don't know I guess just kind of over it um, so the first time I met Jordan he had zero interest in getting to know me he's actually very <laughs> shocking <laughs> yeah but yeah, I stuck around. I was not the flavor of the week. I was the flavor of the decade, I guess. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I met him and the friend group and, yeah, just kind of latched onto them. Okay, so it's not one of these things, because I know that, Jordan, you, you said that you were quite bullied when you was, uh, when you was a lot younger. And I know that's something that um, it came about friendship that you met through any kind of problems you had in life growing up. No, I think no. I think my problems are... I don't think Brad was really bullied that much as a kid. I mean, as a ginger, you're always made fun of. I actually have a, a calendar, like a, a 2020 calendar called Red Hot Cocks. I don't know if anyone knows it. About what cocks? <laughs> a what? About what cocks? Red Hot Cocks. Red Hot Cocks? Yeah, so it's all naked gingers. Oh, okay. And where'd you get that from? Uh, it's a photographer in the UK. He did um, a coffee table book. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Are you trying to say that you're in that book? I wish. No, <laughs> uh, no it's, I think it's mostly um, European models, but I don't know if they have any international ones. But yeah, so he also does a new calendar. Oh, nice. I'll have to check that one out. So, Jordan, what do you think about the UK when you visit here? Uh, I think it's ridiculous when you talk dirty. It makes me giggle. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a long time since I've talked dirty. <laughs> Well, I don't know if you heard the episode, but I was talking about how, like, I find, like, British accents to be very, very intoxicating while I'm interacting with the man. Yeah. But. And you just sound more proper. Like, everything. You yeah. Know, you could be telling me the most ridiculous thing. I'd be like, oh. Yeah. So it's true. It is like a, a pass. And then when I went home with. Um, well, we already said. Ryan. So it's Ryan. Yes. Hi, Ryan. I love you. <laughs> um, oh, you're saying I love you, Zach? Finally, I'm saying I love wow. you. <laughs> Ten years later. <laughs> Um, and then when Ryan started talking filthy to me, I started laughing because mm. it was absurd because it's so posh. And then you're like saying to someone, uh, something really dirty. And I think it's just like the, the, the contrast or the juxtaposition of like the posh accent with like the filthy language that made me giggle. And then I just laughed during sex. Yeah, but that's just, that's, that's kind of normal for us though. So we don't see it as saying anything other than being dirty but why don't you try something on me right now what, what do you yeah but i'm from yorkshire i mean do you find it easy to understand my accent no i find it like adele like adele <laughs> she's fucking annoying no no i'm kidding i know that's like isn't that like an accent because you guys are obsessed with your accents because it's like a caste system right everyone's obsessed with how their accent sounds most of them sound the same no i'll offer you already you so. go kind of like up yeah there's a couple words i've missed i'll be honest <laughs> That's fine. Most people do. Is this when you ghost me? I t turn your microphone off. 
<laughs> That's I feel it. Like I'm stoned right now. <laughs> you, you'll, blo- you'll block my IP so I won't be able to listen to your podcast and you'll berate me. Talking about your podcast, I mean, it's obviously a very successful podcast. And you guys came up with it because you're saying about having to shed this whole shame that you felt. I mean, is it is it a big is it a cultural thing like Canada Canadian shame or is it just? I think it's an international thing. Which I mean, I feel like we're kind of um, marginalized our entire lives. Um, just the fact that you have to come out uh, seems ridiculous to me. Like, what does it matter what your sexuality is? So, yeah, I feel like in every new social situation where you're meeting someone new, mm. and you address the like your sexual orientation. Um, we just kind of want to eliminate all the stigma around that and and I think I also like I think it obviously corresponds to the level of gay acceptance in where you live right so obviously yeah. your shame is going to be through the roof if you live in where a lot of actually our listeners we have thousands of listeners in countries where it's illegal to be gay which is um, which is the most shocking about this because it also like gives me a lot of anxiety when I hear that they're listening because I think like wow if anybody finds it on their phone or you yeah. know like, I just feel like I could be complicit in something scary, but at the same time also providing kind of like a lifeline for them. But I think Brad and I were at a point where I think you you don't really realize how shackled you still are by gay shame. Like, you think, okay, I came out, I'm relatively adjusted, and then you'll just have a random moment with someone you're dating that will trigger you and have, like, a really oversized reaction, and you're like, oh, wait, that is not about the situation. That is about something inside me that's like very deep and so we tried to like just basically if shame lives in silence we want to literally do the drastic opposite and that's why i talked about fingering myself looking for a turd on the podcast (laughs) (laughs) yeah i think i think we left at the one that was when uh, you had a guest on there that's uh, shouting a plate oh (laughs) (laughs) what the fuck i've never heard anything like that before Oh, I haven't heard anything like that before. I met him at a party and I was like, do you want to come on the podcast? And he was like, well, podcast, he didn't really know about it. And I was like, well, you know, you went on a date with my co-host. It'll be cool. And then we just sprung because he told me that secret while he was drunk and I just kept it in my back pocket. And I just I totally just like cornered him. And it was great. <laughs> that was that was too. I mean, I listened to that because I I start work at seven in the morning. I listened to that about half past five, and really, that was not what I wanted to hear on the tube on the way to work. So I'm having to shit on a plate <laughs> on the tube. Can I put it in your tube? <laughs> no, I don't sound like that at all. On the am I am I your type? Would you finger my tube? <laughs> Would I, would I eat your prostate? I think, to be, to be honest, between like you and Brad, you're quite intimidating and overwhelming. It's a bit like the dynamic that me and Michael have on the podcast. It's like, I'm quite introvert, which, you know, like Brad seems to be, and you're extraordinarily uh, extrovert <laughs> and out there, aren't you? Story of my life. This is why men are scared of me, and it's cool. I'm just used to it at this point. But is that is that one of these things, though, that when you're, because you are quite intimidating to a lot of people, though, did you actually see yourself as that, or is it just a, is it like a hiding me- mechanism? Uh, it probably was when I was younger because I think my thought process – well, I'm exploring a lot in therapy now. But my thought process mm. is like why did I become such an entertainer and extroverted? And it was like – I think it was just a way of distracting when I was being psychologically traumatized. So like if the bullies were bullying me, I would make them laugh or I'd do like a little dance for the girls and go hang out with the girls. Yeah. And and then you become adept at comedy and comedic timing and it's like a shield. Mm. Um and, and, you know, and I thought like my therapist thought she was like, oh, well, you know, it's probably um, just that you're really insecure and you're trying to hide it. But then we, we've been 
talking for months and she's like no i actually thought that's what it was but <laughs> you actually are quite into yourself no i mean you've probably noticed <laughs> yes. <laughs> but like i actually am quite confident in the way that like i say things and people are just like oh do you actually mean that and i'm like yes like when i say i'm gonna make my book a bestseller i 100 percent mean it like yeah. i just don't yeah but yeah but that's that's passion but then you've got things where you actually like i've just been listening to your podcast where you've had um the uh, the adult porn actor, the gay for pay one, and <laughs> before before the interview, like you know what, he laughs too much, he does this too much, and you you, you just really go to town under that. It's like you cut someone's throat before you start. Well, that <laughs> that's how I can. But do you notice how we keep our guests on their to like we kind of try to keep them on their back foot in a way, like just because then. Uh, because then they can't really like turn it on us and make it about us. Like yeah. they're kind of in a defensive mode, and I and I like that because you actually tend to get more juice out of them. Yeah. But do do, do you like give them drink first? Uh, we would never do that, Keith. What are you talking? No. About? We do. <laughs> we we, like we do. Oh, we we get our guests drunk. We I mean we can't make anyone drink. I actually don't yeah. drink like right now. So um. But you've done on your show not only do you drink, you did that episode where you actually sat around and got high. So we did two episodes where um. They're called Fruit Flies and What's the Dildo? And it was like yeah. a period where I could tell Brad was in a bad mood. So I just started getting him high. every, And so every 10 minutes we would smoke a joint. Yeah. And so obviously as the episode progresses, it's just a straight up train wreck. And that's – those are the episodes. They're very, very funny though. They end up being – that's somewhere I'd said I got, I got fingered myself looking for a turd. Have you ever done that, Keith? I have. That if the middle finger goes up, you don't touch anything, you're good. Yeah, that's what I was saying. Yeah. yeah. Work, works every time. Wow, it's scary. If you... it, took me, it took me a while because I, fir- I first watched YouTube videos and uh, <laughs> <laughs> on on how to douche properly. And it oh, was you a... shouldn't douche though. You know what's really bad for you, eh? Well, what do you do? I, I well, I take. I don't want to say the name because they won't sponsor our podcast, but it's pure for men. Okay, right, yeah. Fine. But the problem with you douche all the time, it upsets your microbiome and it's actually quite bad for you because you get rid of the good bacteria yeah. uh, in your like lower colon. So I'm just saying, Keith, your days are numbered. <laughs> yeah, but to be fair, I'm not the one with IBS shit myself all the time. That's true. <laughs> really? It's true. I can't risk it. <laughs> yeah. It's like it's really hard being a bottom when you've, you've got a really dodgy ass. <laughs> I wonder if Ryan's listening right now and he's like, God, I really missed my chance with the man who talks about fingering himself for turds. (laughs) You did, Ryan. Should we give give Ryan's last name? I feel like we should just do it at this point. I can always edit it out. No, because it's like I need to get him on the podcast and I feel like this will be my way of like if he hears it, Ah, then Ryan Atkin is his name. Ryan Atkin. There it is. Google so, him. so shady. He's the first out ref, gay referee in in the UK. So uh, just going back to your podcast though, like John and Brad, you both right. wanted to do something uh, about you know you basically left yourself vulnerable, like you said earlier, uh, and everything that you're you're doing, you're actually telling all your stories about sex and um uh, and all the details out to people on the podcast. Now, doesn't that make it worse if you're suffering from any kind of mental health or shame kind of issues? <laughs> Wait, what was the question? I bet. <laughs> I bet he's very distracted. Jordan's like whipping out a snack right now. <laughs> you're doing what? He brought a snack. Oh, what are you eating? He's eating like, I don't know, they're, what are they called? Egg puffs or some shit from Starbucks? Yeah. Uh, this will be, I'll be fingering myself looking for this later, Keith. <laughs> Do it. <laughs> <laughs> Under seat pictures. It's not real unless you prove it. 
answer out. his question, Brian. No, no, I'm not, I'm not saying just in general. I'm just saying you, if you're feeling the shame and you want to get it out there, it must you must be a bit worried that because you're saying it to a lot of people and you get a lot, of, you could potentially get a lot of backlash from people. I think you said in one of the interviews. Oh, oh you don't think we get a lot of backlash? <laughs> and well, you, you did, <laughs> I'm guessing you probably do with the type of content you said. So if you're already suffering from any kind of shame issue, does that make it worse? Are you no, quite because happy? I think it's it's the antidote, right? Like. If we know from the research that shame lives in silence, Brad and I are basically acting in extreme – like basically we're we're creating um, uh, basically an art form. I, I love calling it an art form, but technically that's what it is yeah. um, where <laughs> we are acting in like extremely authentically and it, we are basically eradicating shame because we're bringing every – all the stuff that people usually keep in the darkness, we're bringing it out into open conversation. Of course, yes, that's going to invite – the maximum amount of judgment, but I also think that's the secret sauce of the podcast is that we um, are braver than a lot of people who have done media. Like they haven't gone as far as we've gone, but yeah. what happens is, is when you do that, people open up to you in a way like the emails we get, and you know, Relatable. we've had hundreds of people come out because of the podcast, including a, a gay priest. Yeah. Um, and so the question is like. You know, I think the idea is that because we take a mile with everything and people will say, oh, maybe I'll take a foot. And, <laughs> I'm sure you can. And that's what that, – Keith, Jesus. <laughs> I'm a lady. Um, I've heard. Prob- it's probably a thing. Um, so that's kind of – that's that was our idea behind it. So, And I think at the end of the day, like it's like it, no matter what criticism comes our way, I think like – I don't care because it's like we did. We were braver than everyone else, and we were willing to take all the shame and judgment from people. Um, and I can sleep at night knowing that, like, and I'm and all I'm, all I'm doing when I speak is telling the truth. Yeah, like I'm just talking about like when I say the fingering my like for turd story. It's like millions of people have done this. And so, so Brad, how have you caught with us? You've been doing some live shows as well. Like I know you did some before Christmas, but with Brad being quite introvert, how has he actually caught with being public? Jordan can attest to this. I basically have a panic attack before every show. And even this, like, I was very nervous to be on this side of the microphone. Like, it's weird to be asked questions, not doing the interviewing. But yeah, the the Toronto show, I was really freaking out. And we had a drag queen, um, Erin Djokovic, look her up. She's amazing. Um, she was opening the show for us. And she just, like, was like, listen, everyone that's here has paid for you and they want you to succeed. Like, there's no one out there hoping that you do a shitty job. Yeah. So just go out there and rock it. And, like, that was a really, like, nice piece of advice. Like, I mean, it's not going to, I don't think it's going to help my stage fright going forward. But, um, 
yeah, I really kind of struggle with being in front of large crowds like that. Okay. Has it not gotten easier the more that you're doing it? Um, yeah, I would say so. Like, I'm hoping uh, we're going to do a bunch of live shows coming up in the spring. Mm. Uh, so I'm really hoping that I get into the groove of things. But yeah, the more I do it, the more comfortable I am. And I mean, even like five or ten minutes into the live show, I'm feeling good and comfortable. Nice. So, would there be any subjects like between you two that would be completely off limits? I mean, have you? Have, <laughs> have you? I mean, besides, is that rhetorical? <laughs> no, but I think you've, you've pretty much discussed everything. But is there ever been a guest that you've had on there? Are you ever discussed something afterwards and said, "To be fair, we can't really show that. We can't really air that." We oh. used so we used to do this thing where we'd say, "If you said something that you regret, um, we'll take it out." But that's just. We don't do that anymore because, A, we're too big, Keith, I'll be honest. Yeah. And, like, we can't – it's not – because what happens is everyone leaves and has regrets. Because in the, like, fire or fever pitch of the recording, they will say things and be honest, and then they'll have buyer's remorse, like, a day later. But, like, to get a quality product, we don't make that our policy anymore. So if someone comes on, we basically say, like, it's all on the table. Yeah. Um, I don't think there's anything we, we – like wouldn't I don't think there's anything I personally wouldn't talk about I don't know like but I mean I'm a little more reserved but I've shared like I don't hold back really anymore yeah the thought process is well why don't you do like a paid subscription and that kind of stuff I mean we do Patreon right now and people some people pay like $15 a month to support it so it's crazy so if if any of our listeners are going to sign up to your Patreon what would they get for the price hand jobs that goes without saying you wouldn't love <laughs> I'm very tired I've been flying all over <laughs> we'll give personal shout outs and then for the top tier we actually will call them roughly once a month and have a quick chat wow uh, yeah quite nice that's pretty good I miss you guys. Do you want to do a bit of housekeeping and give out all your social medias and uh, where they can find you guys because my name is are... Ryan Atkin yeah, you can you find me <laughs> Uh, oh god he's gonna hate me after this um mine is uh j power comedy and then uh the show is shame on you pod yeah. and our website is shame on you podcast.com anyway guys any uh, last words before we go just uh, G- i love jesus yeah no i i did want to say something my yeah. book is actually coming out march 31st it's called famous anus <laughs> right, thanks very much guys i'll talk to you again right. soon bye ryan <laughs> Oh, what do you think about that? John and Brad out there, very handsome, sexy. Uh, is that not your style? <laughs> <laughs> That's shame on you, podcast. You said earlier, not on the podcast, but you said to me, and I want to uh, try and delve deep into this because I was really, really surprised about this. Social media is a very, very big place at the moment that people either receive, get mental health issues. You know, there's mm-hmm. this this needing likes and retweets and they, and you see a lot of people airing clearly some baggage on there, you know, yeah. they've got some issues. You actually said that MySpace, which used to be a big social media platform, changed your life. Yeah, because it, it brought me out, bear in mind that we have to remember where we were. This is 2005. This is pre-Facebook. This is pre-status yeah. updates. This is pre-photo uploading. And MySpace was good. This was literally the first proper mainstream UK-US connection, social media that really had a global impact. So 
you were making friends with people worldwide. It wasn't a random internet like voicemail friend. Yeah. You were having, you were, you were in connection with people all the time and it was bizarre. Yeah. So I came out of like Southeast London, blah, blah, gay boy, blah, 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 blah. Same old story. If one's had a hundred times, but I was alternative and it connected me to people who were like me. And mm. because of where I grew up in Southeast London, there was no one like me there. Okay. So I literally found my friends through that and it changed my life. And to say that, oh, it, you know, it just kind of gave me a few friends would be bollocks. It literally changed my life because I had no one like me. But did you, did you <clears> run over a bit like a, a switch bar? Did you come home from school and get on there to talk to your friends because they no. were like-minded like you? I, what do you mean when I first discovered it or just in general? Just when, just in general. I mean, so, if you, you said you didn't have many friends when you was growing up but did no. you find myspace was your escape yes so i would come home from school and me and my brother were allowed an, uh, one hour on the internet oh, each. an hour dial up yeah yeah nice yeah we were poor are you well we were very poor so you used to cut <laughs> out all the time in. you have to go and kick <laughs> no you really have to go and kick and flip over the um thing anyway um <laughs> really this is pre-wi-fi yeah. um i'm that old um, <laughs> you, you're younger than I am, so that's that's all that matters. If the price is right, um, <laughs> if the injections worked, um, <laughs> no. So it was a uh, it connected me to people like me, and I'd never. I mean, really, I'm not saying it for a dramatic effect. Hmm. I'd never been around people like me before, ever, okay. ever. So it was my first exposure to having a conversation with someone and going, "Oh, I think like that too. Yeah. That's weird." Because I'd never heard it before, and I, I just assumed that everyone was full of shit. Mm. Then I realized, no, not this many people can be full of shit. Yeah. They're just like you. They have the same likes as you, and I liked alternative music, and I liked electronic music, not like pop chart electronic, like alternative electronic. Yeah. And I was meeting people that liked it too, and it was weird. So you met people off MySpace? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I went to Camden Market at 15 to meet a group of people. And buy some mushrooms. No, no, I'm not a fan. Even back then, I wasn't a fan of drugs. No. I was so boring. But, um, well, not boring, I was aware. Um, I went to Camden Market, and when I saw them approach me, because they were coming to meet me at Camden Station, I hid behind a phone, uh, a phone box. Because this overwhelming right. thing of, because <gasps> I'd never been like, you have to okay. like, you can imagine yeah. what that, that, in, that, intense. I, I stop. When I, if I like somebody, I physically thought. Yeah, I, I hid in a phone box. I hid in wow. it. Did you have a calling card? <laughs> I <laughs> was, was it coin? How do you think I paid for my travel card home? No, I'm joking. <laughs> um, yeah, it was weird. Yeah, it changed, I don't know. I'm trying to like be sorry. Is that your phone? Yeah, I'm trying to be eloquent. But yeah, it changed my life. It, it um, introduced okay. me to people that were like me, and I'd never. And I'm not yeah. saying it for dramatic effect. No. I'd never ever met people like me before so it was weird it was like going into a tribe wow and you're, you're sniffing each other almost like, so that's like yeah. the original tribe well before grinder came out with them. yeah it was weird it was weird but yeah. it was it was instantaneous i mean within four days i was on the phone to these people three four times a day we're wow. on a webcam all day i'd finally met my people so it's always like you had these these decades of catching up if you know we're like 15 yeah we'd be like oh oh my god do you remember this do you remember that do you remember that do you like this song do you like this artist oh my god you like him too yeah. that's mad it was yeah but how did that help with your shame massively yeah because it i always thought that my my 
the fact that I was the odd one out was due to the fact that I like boys, which obviously it was and it always will be, but I was alternative as well. Yeah. So it was an amalgamation of being someone who's not interested in mainstream music and pop culture. Yeah. yeah. With being a big old puff. <laughs> big old puff. I've not heard mm-hmm. that for ages, big old puff. <laughs> no, we've actually before we actually did the podcast, we put a uh, a few feelers out there and asked for people's um, or basically shame stories and how they because a lot of people nowadays are going through the shame thing, but also trying to empower themselves to try uh, whatever it is to overcome this shame. Yeah, but some do, some good. don't. But it's, you have to know the steps to. You can't just empower yourself. Oh, no, it's not one of these things that can like turn a light switch yeah. on that you're empowered. But it is actually nice to see that people are trying to make this effort. Yeah. Um, but we've got a couple of a couple of people sent messages in, and I won't read them out to you because you are a sex expert. I'm not saying that shame is related to sex, but I think you've got a lot more experience than a lot of people would. Well, I think uh, that... I think shame is probably most commonly associated to sex. Yeah, yeah, it probably is. So hopefully, I'm going to read you a couple of them out. So we got Mark42 from Croydon. Uh, said, I once got embroiled in a sexual encounter that went from a casual hookup to something dark, wrong, and unexpected that I didn't want. Drugs were involved, which is always, well, London's quite prevalent for that. And I knew that uh, in an altered state, I'd be more vulnerable, yet some reason I didn't honour my instincts. After being invited back to his place, he turned very sinister and very aggressive. On my way to his, I felt somewhat worried and his demeanour started to change. After I managed to get away, I felt complete shame and guilt that I misjudged someone so spectacularly. I felt stupid and very vulnerable vulnerable uh, and felt that I'd brought it on myself coming to terms with this I overcome it I realized I needed to learn to respect myself more and be better a, ju- well, a better judge of, of people and my own character but mainly respect myself by not throwing myself into compromising situations is that um, a good word is that a good way of empowering himself from shame I think that uh, all of that came from insecurity didn't it yeah because when you are in a situation where someone's giving you sexual attention and you're going with it, even you know that it's risky and this is, you know, he said himself, this person's demeanor changed halfway through on the way to the house, right? But why, why if, like, say if you felt something, I mean, I believe in gut instinct, so. Me too, must- but I think that looks fantastic sewn on a pillow, doesn't it? <laughs> Can you sew? Yeah. Can you no. do a pillow? No. <laughs> <laughs> I've bit many. But I think that it's, yeah, I think that all comes down to insecurity and all you can take from it is be thankful that you weren't harmed and take that, take that, take that feeling into the future because that's literally all you're going to get from that. The, the problem is that it's very hard to to drop that because once you've been in a situation where something possibly could happen, it's very hard to let go of what could have been. Mm-hmm. I think that's one of the big issues, and, and I know a lot of people that are like that. Nathan29 from Portugal, and he's got surprisingly good English, uh, says, I always knew I was gay from very young. Didn't realize that I was flamboyant in air quotes, as I liked wearing extravagant outfits. Um, I was beaten up. I didn't know why it was happening until they started shouting things like, you look like a fag and you should die. After this, I stopped making and dressing in my own clothes, which I loved doing. As I got older, I saw more and more people being free with their expression and choices. It made me think about and recognize the problem actually wasn't mine, uh, his, uh, and was sub- he was suppressing himself. Um, I've come to terms with my alcoholism that he developed from this repression in on- 
ongoing recovery, I'm slowly realizing the importance of expression and authenticity with myself. Uh, without the restraints of what society thinks, I also gain confidence by going to the gym uh, to feel a sense of strength uh, should I be set upon again. That was a lot. <laughs> There's a lot in there, wasn't there? Um, the first thing was with the flamboyant dressing, like... No matter what situation you're in, no matter what storybook you're reading, no matter what pop stars and inspirational lyrics you're listening to, if you're dressing a certain way in a certain environment, unfortunately, and it shouldn't be the case, you have to be aware that people around you will react a certain way. Yeah. And it sucks that it's like that, but as a responsible human being and as someone who wants to look after yourself, you have to be aware of it. Mm. Like I, where I grew up, I used to have to wear a particular outfit to my train Okay. Get on the train, go to Charing Cross, pay 50p to go to the public toilets, get changed. Yeah. But still, I wasn't I wasn't confident enough to come out of Charing Cross. No. So I would change a little bit, put my jacket over the top, wear jogging bottoms over my bottom half. Yeah. So I think, like, that's, it sucks so that, yeah. that he got abuse, and I don't think anyone deserves that, and I've been on the receiving end of it. I know what it's like. Yeah. But to, but, to be fair, I was like that with, uh, we went last week to uh, the Secret Cinema Stranger Things and I dressed up and I had to wear a coat because I was like, if people see me, even it's just dress up, it's silliness. It's nothing, it doesn't express anything. Yeah, it's just remembering that something there. Unfortunately, there's always going to be that one prick, isn't there? And unfortunately, you're always the person to approach them. Yeah. <laughs> so that's a shame. Um, I think it's good that this person's found the strength to go to the gym and stuff. But you, but I mean, is, is I it, hope that's not superficial. I hope that's I really to do with. Not. I hope that's not to do with biceps and abs, and it's more to do with like cost strength, physical strength, and strength physical, and yeah. being able to defend yourself should someone approach you for being flamboyant now in your older age. And, uh, unfortunately, that brings us to the end of of our very first twenty twenty thirty pitch podcast. Why not tell everybody your social media and the fact that you've got your own podcast coming up very shortly? You can find me at, at Donald Trump. No, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> Could you imagine? Don't know. I'm a different. <laughs> kind of blonde um at tofa taylor t-o-p-h-e-r-t-a-y-l-o-r on instagram or hello i am tofa at twitter or my yeah. website which is tofa.co.uk yep. or my new podcast and which is coming out when which is coming out on valentine's day it is who's on it <laughs> who's on it tell us um can you can you someone with big tits no some, <laughs> someone who is unapologetically sexual and is it strong, madonna? Strong it's madonna. yeah it's madonna okay i wish okay to price the restraining order is still not really. <laughs> yeah and that's sex with tofa taylor and that's going to be on spotify itunes and all the major streaming services and if you want to follow us uh, then we have got a thirsty bitch instagram just put thirsty bitch in instagram uh, and that's where you can find us and also we are we have been sponsored by bathmate we are going to take a little message from them before we leave but from everyone here at thirsty bitch we'll see you again in february bye for real guaranteed way to build a bigger longer lasting erections there's only one choice it's bathmate the world's best penis enhancer, Bathmate uses the power of water to add real size fast. Want to make real improvements for your sex life? Then head over to bathmatedirect.com and get ready to make a change. We guarantee satisfaction within 60 days or your money back. Honey, it sounds like she thirsty. I mean thirsty. Okay, all right. So, um, uh, are you a, a thirsty bitch or not?